Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you joined me today. This podcast is for neurodivergence by a neurodivergent. I'm an ADHD coach with ADHD and ASD, and I am here to help. So let's spend some time together now and maybe learn a few things. everyone and welcome back to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host Amanda and I have a special treat for you guys today. Today on the podcast I have a visitor. That's right we are on the relationships episode part two and my partner Scoy is here with me today. Hi honey thanks for being here. How's everyone doing tonight? I'm Scott. I am Amanda's partner in crime and an ADHDer since six years old. I just want to thank you again for being here today, honey. I really appreciate you taking the time, and I know that my listeners appreciate it as well, especially as we start getting into some of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight. The first being your ADHD journey. You know, tell our listeners a little bit about when you were diagnosed, what school was like for you being a diagnosed ADHDer, and we'll kind of go from there on that conversation. So I was diagnosed at six years old. It's a funny story, actually. Um, my mom tells it to me a lot. We were at a doctor's office, and she was asking the doctor some certain questions, and apparently I was bouncing around the office, and I hid under the doctor's table, and right then and there, the doctor basically laughed and said, yeah, he has ADHD. I can totally see you doing that, too. That's the best part. <laughs> So did this change anything, you know, once you got this diagnosis for when you were in school? Did they provide any kind of support to help you with the ADHD diagnosis? What'd that look like? I mean, given away my age and all, um, that was back in 96. There was still kind of a stigma on ADHD and going into school, I really didn't have assistance. You know, I'm, I'm not from a poor family, but we were definitely in a low income family. Um, we went to public school and we didn't have the benefits of, you know, me getting help because I couldn't stay still or couldn't focus on my classwork or anything like that. Would you say that you understood what your ADHD was through your school years? In all reality, through most of my adult life, I, I didn't understand my ADHD. It wasn't until I met you and started exploring my ADHD, and then my seven-year-old daughter was diagnosed, kind of made me more interested and intrigued to learn about my ADHD. So does that mean then that there weren't really supports for you growing up with ADHD then over the years? I can't say there were no supports. Um, There was definitely people that tried to help me, and, you know, I was actually medicated through the beginning of my high school years, but the medication that I was on at the time made me feel like a zombie. It made me feel like a shell of myself. So I actually made a decision to not take the medication. What did the support outside of medication look like for you? I mean, there were people who understood it. Like, um, I'll never forget this lady. Um, She was one of my teachers in high school. Her name was Mrs. Morris. And she was one of the very few people who knew like my potential and I guess she's seen it and um, she actually helped me big time like she did go out of her way to try and make sure that I understood and to help me when I couldn't focus and there were times where actually she would just tell me like hey Scott take a break 
love to hear teachers understanding ADHD because it seems for so many in the community that that kind of support just was non-existent. I know for me personally, I got yelled at for it more than I ever was helped through it. So that's great that you had that resource in high school. Was there anyone else like that over the years that you could turn to as a layer of support? Honestly, you know, I I did have family who who tried to understand it and who tried to help me through some of the rougher times. Um, My aunt, she was a massive help in my life through a lot of my life. And of course, my mother, she tried to be as supportive as she could with the minimal amount of knowledge she had. And that that's that's the problem with a lot of the people I grew up with and where I grew up at. There was not much education on ADHD. Yeah. And I know looking at the 90s, the amount of education on ADHD in general was really lacking. But I think it would be helpful for our listeners to kind of learn about the community that you were raised in, just to understand, you know, where that support was lacking and why. As I've said before, I did grow up in a lower income community. So we lived in the housing projects of our hometown and we didn't really have many resources. It's funny because I remember speaking um, to somebody from Valley Youth House, which is a a local um, organization that helps children from underprivileged communities. And, you know, they tried to help me. But like I said, I was pretty stubborn. I guess that was due to my ADHD. Do you feel that there was a racial component at all in your treatment and support with your ADHD? So it's funny that you bring that up. I'm actually, as you know, but your viewers don't, um, I'm from a very mixed background. My father was German and Irish, and my mother is actually black and Puerto Rican. Um, So growing up in a mixed household, um, and not just that, a mixed community. Um, I come from a very diverse community. Our school is extremely diverse. And no, I feel like that was definitely a shortcoming because our school didn't provide that stuff. And not just for the mixed kids and the black kids and the Puerto Rican kids, but for the white kids as well. Um, I just feel like our school, that wasn't a priority or something they laid big focus on because um, the kids that got it, got it. And the kids who didn't, well, I guess it was kind of just they were to fend for themselves. I know that we've talked about this outside of you know, this podcast episode, of course. And I just want to say again, how sorry I am that that was your experience, though. And I know that was the experience of so many other people, because people of color are very underserved in the ADHD community. So I'm really glad that we were able to talk about that experience for you, and to kind of shine a light on it. But I also do recognize that most people are here for this episode for ADHD and relationships. So now that you've learned a little bit about Scott and his background and where he comes from with all of his ADHD journey, uh, we're going to go into our relationships and how ADHD has impacted previous relationships and where the dual ADHD household plays a role for us and what makes this relationship different. So let's talk relationships. How has ADHD impacted past relationships of yours, honey? I mean, ADHD, geez, I wish I would have known it then, but uh, it's played a huge role in all relationships and not just intimate, in uh, friendships. Um, But I mean, I think the biggest one was my marriage. Um, So I was married before, and as an ADHDer, we all know that controlling our impulses is, especially for somebody who doesn't know much about ADHD, one of the most challenging things we face. 
So I've done things in my past that I can't say that I'm proud of. I've made mistakes. I've, you know, burned bridges and destroyed buildings where I thought we're going to set forever. But I learned today, you know, I continue to learn with my ADHD that hopefully I can change my future and not look back at my past. I think that's a really beautiful message that a lot of people can connect with especially those who were diagnosed later in life or those who just didn't understand the full capacity of what an ADHD diagnosis means. I know that even in the educational system, when we were taught about ADHD, it wasn't, you know, impulse control. The The most that we were taught about it was that, hey, that little boy might poke you in the face because he's got ADHD. And as we all know, ADHD is so much more than that. So I think recognizing that that lack of knowledge and understanding of your brain did play a role is really vital to moving forward and learning about yourself more. So how would you say ADHD has impacted our relationship? Although, you know, I am in a relationship with this amazing ADHD coach, um, I still have trouble controlling my urges and my impulses, like not taking everything personal, not getting angry and screaming. Um, those are things that I still struggle with. And I know sometimes it puts a strain on our relationship. But um, with a dual ADHD relationship, I actually have somebody who understands me, who understands what I'm going through and how I'm struggling. Um, so she doesn't judge me on it. Oh, and I will say that's one of the things I appreciate the most in our relationship is that on the other hand, you understand me too, which I think is a big piece of why we connected so quickly. I don't know if you have heard this on one of my other podcast episodes, because yes, Scotty does listen to my podcast, which is like the ultimate boyfriend support, and I'm very appreciative. But I have mentioned in other you know, talks that our first date was kind of a challenge for me. Because you were doing things that I do that I don't like that I do. So we were sitting there at the restaurant and you just zone out on the TV because, guys, if football is on, you can guarantee that Scott is going to zone into that and totally out of the conversation. <laughs> so that was that was something that in that first date, I was like, oh, my gosh, he keeps getting distracted. And then two seconds later, like I'd get distracted. So it's really nice to have that understanding, but also kind of funny at the same time, because I know, at least for me, sometimes the things you do ADHD wise will stress me out. But then I know that I do the same stuff. I mean, and that's kind of the thing, like what I was touching on earlier. It, it's nice that the understanding is there. It's nice that we know that we don't like it, but we try to work and help each other out to overcome the frustrations that either one of us both do and don't like that the other does. I think that's very well said. That really does describe our relationship. Um, what else is different about our relationship versus some of the others you've had, especially in regards to that ADHD piece? I can't say it enough. I mean, the biggest thing is definitely the understanding. It, it, it's worth its weight in gold. Um, get you somebody who understands you. It's not always, you know, sunshine butterflies but i promise you at the end of the day if you guys really care about each other it's gonna work out i love you i don't know if this is anyone else's experience out there but uh i i know that you know talking in that first adhd and relationships episode you know looking for 
romantic love was always something I was interested in. But every other relationship, there was always that piece that was missing. And I really do think it was that understanding. That was a big element where I tried to understand my previous partners, but I don't think they ever really got me the way that you get me. And that's something that I can't thank you enough for. And the level of support that you show me too is completely different for me. Something that I wasn't familiar with before. And I am actually starting to get a little teary-eyed here because I'm just thinking about how much I appreciate it. Because I really do. I, I'm just so grateful for that. All right, we needed a pause because I was having a moment and then that moment was triggering a moment for him too. <laughs> you know, definitely uh, being more empathic with ADHD. Um, yeah, we play off each other a little bit, don't we? Absolutely. <laughs> Do you have any advice that you would give to anyone else in, you know, a relationship, especially with one or both having ADHD? Honestly, three bullet points. Clear communication, always try to understand, and love unconditionally. It's it's so hard to find nowadays. There's always a condition to love, but just give them the support and love they need. Yeah, support is a very critical piece of an ADHD relationship, especially positive support. A lot of us have had experiences where all we've had is just negative reinforcement and being told that what we're doing is wrong and not good enough. So in a relationship, that's the last thing that you want or need from your partner. Especially when it's somebody you're choosing, you know what I mean? Um, we get negative support from our parents and all that stuff already. We can't choose who our parents are, but our partners we do choose. So why not choose to support them? Yeah, I completely agree. I know that that's something that I really try to make a point in our relationship that, you know, if you want to make any changes with your career or interests and hobbies, you know, I'm there to support you. But I'm also there to support you through the other things, through the emotional dysregulation, through the hard stuff that comes up in a relationship. I think so often we think that relationships are supposed to be a very specific way. And when they don't look like that, we have a hard time adapting to it and changing our idea because ADHDers are very all or nothing. So if it doesn't all look like this one thing that I think love and a relationship should look like, well, then it's not a good relationship. So the relationship needs to end when in reality, relationships are work. And I mean, going a little more private, um, it's actually something that me and Amanda have talked about in the past. Um, we always told each other that if we felt the dopamine was running low or we didn't feel like the love was what we thought love should be, that we have a conversation. And like I said before, communication is massive. Yeah, he's right. We've had exactly that talk because I don't know if you guys are familiar with the chemicals involved in love. But at the start of a relationship, there is a whole bunch of dopamine, friends. And that's for anyone. That's not just an adhd -er in a new relationship. But that start, you know, we, we get the dopamine. And a lot of times, something that can actually appear as a red flag to some people is because we've gotten that dopamine from the new partner, we want to be with them all the time. And we want to constantly be, you know, talking to them and texting them throughout the day and then seeing them every single night. 
Sorry to cut you off, but a lot of ADHDers get classified as clingy. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but in the past, I have been told that I'm very clingy and I'm very needy. Um, and at the time, I had no idea it had something to do with my ADHD. Was this at like the start of the relationship? Well, yeah, because I've dated neurotypical people in the past. And like, I don't know if it's maybe different for them than it is for us. Um, but they've basically told me like, hey, you need to chill. I think it's funny that you say that because, you know, once I got my diagnosis, I dove a little into my own past and realized that I've never actually been in a relationship with someone who wasn't neurodivergent. But you're the first person who has had the closest experience to what I experience. And that's a really hard thing to find because, as my listeners know, I'm not just ADHD, but I'm also autistic. So finding someone who has that level of understanding and openness to that piece of me too. I mean, another thing I'm very grateful for, of course, but I have not found that prior to our relationship. And again, we circle around to understanding, you know, I've always tried to be understanding no matter the situation, I've tried to understand it. Which I feel has made our relationship stronger. But after our little ADHD tangent, I guess you guys want to know more about the chemicals of love, huh? So yeah, we start off this beginning of a relationship with all this dopamine, and that dopamine's gonna last for a little while, but it's not supposed to last forever. And this is the thing that confuses so many ADHDers. Because in those beginning stages, when there's all the dopamine surging, that's what we tend to think love looks like. So when our chemicals in our brains start to do the thing that they naturally do in a relationship and the dopamine begins to convert to a chemical called oxytocin, which is our comfort chemical, it's actually the chemical that is released when a baby's laying on their mother's chest. It's a chemical for real, true, pure love. The love that creates safety. The love that allows for understanding. It's not as, I don't want to say hostile, but hostile as dopamine is. Because the reason I say hostile for dopamine is that it's such an intense feeling that it really can be confusing when that feeling just drops off out of nowhere. But that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to drop off. It's supposed to become oxytocin. Just because you love someone and you don't feel the butterflies 24-7 anymore doesn't mean that you've stopped loving them. It just means that you love them differently now. And that's what that oxytocin is supposed to do. It sets you up for the long term. It sets you up for building a life together. And then to this day, um, it's funny because now that I'm getting a grip, but I feel like that was my relationships my entire life. You know, the dopamine ran out, the excitement ran out, and I felt like I wasn't in love. It's funny because this actually wasn't my experience. Um, I took up an interest in the chemicals of love when I was younger. Um, yeah, that was my autism, you know, going the special interest route and liking psychology and the brain and all that fun stuff. So it's something that I was actually lucky to be aware of, you know, so I have had longer term relationships than some of Scott's previous relationships. However, uh, I had plenty of other difficulties in past relationships thanks to my own ADHD. 
And that's something that we talk about pretty openly in our relationship is things that worked and didn't in the past for us. Because again, communication is vital. And we can learn from our past experiences. Yeah, is it a little awkward to talk to your new partner about past partners? Sure. It's funny because that's actually something that I learned from you, you know. Back then, I used to get out of a relationship and I would just delete every single memory that came with that relationship. It didn't matter if it was a good or bad one. Um, And something that you actually made me comfortable with is like, you don't have to delete all of the memories um, because that is still part of your life. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Shortly after we started dating and um, he was showing me some pictures of some other things and then a picture of him and his wife came up. And he was like, oh, I got to delete that. And I just told him, I was like, well, that's your memory too. Just because she's in it doesn't mean that you have to get rid of a complete chunk of your life. And at first I didn't understand that. I didn't get what she meant. Like I I didn't understand like, you know, first of all, that's an impulse thing. Like, hey, I see old stuff. Got to get rid of it right away. Nope, no chance. Um, But she taught me that it is okay. Um, And it's something that you have to be understanding with your partner too. I mean, yes, they're no longer a part of their life and you have to trust that your partner knows that. But at the same time, it is still a part of their life. Even though they aren't, that memory is. I think that was so well said. Well, guys, we are at about the 20 minute mark. So um, because of that, we're going to end for today. But I do, of course, want to take a moment to thank this amazing man sitting next to me. So thank you so much for joining me today, honey. I know I appreciated it, and I'm sure that my listeners did too. Absolutely. It was a pleasure, and um, I, I'm really glad that I got to share with some people like my life and some of my experiences, and also I got to tell people about our love. I love screaming about our love. He's about to make me cry again. <laughs> So before that happens, I'm just going to wrap things up here. Um, If you guys liked this episode today, please give me some feedback, you know, leave a a review on the podcast or feel free to shoot me an email at theadhdlady at gmail.com and let me know if you'd like us to continue this series. You know, we certainly have enough ADHD topics that come up in our own relationship, but also it's nice to hear other people's experiences too. I'm hoping to get a few more guests coming on the podcast in the future real soon. But seriously, if you guys do have relationship questions and things that you would like for us to answer on a future episode, we'd be happy to do so. That's something that Scott and I actually used to do every Sunday for a while was we did an ADHD and relationships live over on TikTok. And people did seem to enjoy that. That did seem to be a helpful experience. So if this episode today has been helpful or illuminating in any way, you know, please let us know. And of course, if you guys need any other support or any other interest in coaching, please check out my website, theadhdlady.org. I will be having an ADHD and relationships webinar coming up in February, just in time for Valentine's Day. But I also want to add outside of the relationships piece, because this thing is coming up pretty quickly. I do have an ADHD parents group starting in December. This is a service that I am trying to make accessible and affordable. So I'm actually doing only $25 a session to be part of the group. meet on Wednesdays at noon, starting December 1st. And to continue trying to make it more affordable, uh, if you pay the whole month in advance, 
advance, it's only $75. So that's basically buy three, get one free. It's going to be a really great resource and place for support for parents of little ADHDers. So whether you're an ADHD parent raising a little mini version of you, or you're a parent who's just trying to better understand ADHD so that you can help your child succeed, this group is really gonna be a good benefit to you guys. So thank you guys again for joining and thank you, honey, for being here today. I really enjoyed it and um, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, and that's a great segue into my wrap up here. Thank you guys so much for coming back to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. Next week, there won't be an episode because of the holiday, but expect one the week after and have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. This is your host, Amanda, signing off.